Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and look with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number 4. We've made our way through this book. And we're going to continue to look at the fight of the gospel, or the fight for the gospel. And I'll tell you, the longer I live, the more I see the need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the fight for it is on. It's been on for quite some time. I think we had some, we've had glimmers of hope over the course of history. I think during the time of Christ and His disciples, of course, the Apostle Paul, they uh, carried the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth as Christ commanded and gave. But it was not without a fight. We see that here in the book of Galatians as Paul delivered the gospel to this church and other folks came in and began to pervert and change what had been preached by Paul. And he told us in chapter 1 that if any man or angel from heaven were to preach any other gospel unto them, that they should be accursed. That's how serious the gospel is. And he's continued throughout this book of Galatians to carry about the truth of the gospel. And last week as we saw in chapter 3 about the hearing of the gospel being by faith. It's how this church and how anyone comes to know Christ as their Savior is by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, the fight is still on in chapter 4. We'll begin reading this morning in verse number 11. Or go to verse 12, verse 12 for sake of time. He says, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. My temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, and ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Now I want to draw your attention to verse number 13 this morning. 
As the Scripture says, Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. I preach the gospel, is what Paul said. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture this morning. Let's pray together and we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, I thank You so very much for Your goodness. God, I thank You as we begin and kick off this missions conference for the year 2020. God, this has been a year like we never would have dreamed. It's not one that we would have chosen, but Father, we embrace it for what it is. Father, as we do so, we don't want to neglect the call that Your Son, Jesus Christ, left for us as a church, as Christians, and as believers of Your Word, share the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Your Son. Father, this morning as we open up Your Word, I pray that You would help and allow Your Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and our minds for the reading and for the teaching of Your Word. God, that You would be exalted, that You would be glorified in all that is said and done in this place, this day, this evening, and for the remainder of this week. That we might be challenged for what it is and how it is our role as believers for the cause of Christ. Help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now we're beginning kind of in the middle here in just our reading But I want to remind you, as we've looked at in each chapter here, and we've seen Paul placing an emphasis on the gospel. On the gospel. And here is no different as he begins by saying in verse number 13, Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. But then in verse 17, he says, They zealously affect you, but not well. They would exclude you that ye might affect them, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. Then he says in verse 19, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So we see this theme of the gospel throughout each chapter within the book of Galatians, and we want to emphasize where the Scripture emphasizes this morning, but there's something that took place before verse 12 and verse 13 that I want to go back and give some attention to in these first 10 and 11 verses here as we consider the call of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel this morning. In verse number 1, Paul says to this church, he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant though he be Lord of all. But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father, even so we, even we, or when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. 
Howbeit, then when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after ye have known God, or rather known of, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And then we come to our text where the Scripture says, Brethren, I beseech you, be, be as I am. For I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all, yet ye know how through infirmity of the, fl of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. Now here in these first 11 verses here, 12 verses if you will, Paul is talking about being an heir. An heir. This is something about an inheritance. This is something about something that we will gain. Now typically, an inheritance is given when someone dies. Usually that inheritance may uh, be monetary, it may be land, it could be a home, it could be any sort of possession that we might gain. We have inheritance that's passed down sometimes from generation to generation. And we see that inheritance passed on and we receive it when someone dies. But yet, as we think about and consider the inheritance that you and I have in Christ and from Christ, it's a little different because you and I must die to receive the inheritance. Sort of. You see, the inheritance comes first off in the same way that we inherit things today, someone must die. You see, in order for us to inherit the eternal life and the everlasting life that we find in Christ Jesus, He had to die. Amen. He had to die first. And so to receive that, though, we too must die. And so we see here, Paul is giving this illustration of being an heir. Now, within this illustration, the Bible says that the heir, in verse 1, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. This is our family verse that we remind our children of often when they say, why do I have to do this? Well, as an heir, you're a servant. Amen. And so you can use this as well. It goes on. And uh, no, not really, but, uh, but this is true. I mean, you have children, and children have chores within the home that they do. And if they don't, they probably should. But they, they have this. And so the Scripture is saying and teaching us here that as an heir, the child, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, even though he be Lord of all. But he says that he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. He's saying there are those that have the responsibility of teaching him and those that have the responsibility of helping rear him until the Father says he is ready. But notice in verse 3 as it says, Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. 
Now he's getting ready to talk about the gospel here and how it equates to those who are heirs as he says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, for the purpose, in verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. And then he says in verse 6, he reminds them again, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, notice again, it says, Then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. The inheritance that we get does not come from the Son, Jesus Christ, although the Son, Jesus Christ, had to die in order for it to happen. But the inheritance that we get is, comes from God. But what I want to remind you of this morning as we consider the heirs of what we have been given or what we have, what we have been given this morning is the gospel. And so that makes us an heir of the gospel. And it has been given to us to give to others. And so the emphasis here, I want you to see just two points this morning. And I want you to see, number one, that as heirs of the gospel, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. And as a son and as a child, we will give an account. We'll give an account of what we do as an heir of the gospel with the gospel. You see, we, we often consider, we, we look at the Scripture, we know where Christ taught about the, the servant and the talents and how they, what they did with the talents and how the, the master came back and wanted to know what happened the one unfaithful servant that buried his talent, that didn't use it, that didn't do anything with it because of fear, he held and had the most punishment of all because he did nothing. And I wonder as a church, I wonder as individuals, what are we doing with the responsibility of the gospel? Do you ever find yourself shirking that responsibility? Now, there are some reasons why we might shirk our responsibility or push it off. And sometimes we look around and we say, well, no one else is doing it. You ever feel that way? No one else is doing it. Why should I? Sometimes as children, I have, of course, you know this, I have four children, and from time to time, my children will ask the question, and it doesn't matter, they've all done this. We, we may give them something to do or ask them to do something or tell them to do something, and they may ask the question, and it doesn't matter which one it is, uh, except uh, it just depends on which one we're talking to, but one of them might say, if I'm talking to Asher, and I say, Asher, I want you to do this, and he will say, sometimes he'll say, well, why doesn't justice have to help? You, know, you have children that say those things? Anybody have adult children that say those things? I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping this is going to change and they'll grow out of it. Um, but my children say that sometimes. I may talk to Chloe, and Chloe may say, uh, and we've had this conversation, she'll say, well, how come Abigail 
And that's usually as far as I let them get. And I'll say, wait a second. Hold on. And I'll say, Chloe, I'm not talking to Abigail. I'm talking to you. Talking to you. Now, I may go to Abigail as well and say, Abigail, I want you to help with this. And then she may say, well, how come Asher doesn't have to help? Now, how many of you know that when you have multiple children, there is always at least, there's always one that does not carry their own weight? How many of you know that? Yes. So those of you know that. Okay, good. Now, I don't know. Well, who, who is it in our house? I'm not going to say. I'm going to let you all say. You know. They're, they're, they're afraid. She's not even here. <laughs> She's probably not even watching. No, we have one. One of our girls does not carry their own weight. And do you know that it is almost inevitable, almost inevitable, that if I'm not there or Rachel is not there to make sure that all of it gets done, y'all know how it goes. There's usually a fight, and then there's usually one that does more than the other three. But you know, there have been times where it didn't get done at all, or it got done halfway, and Rachel and I have come home and we have said, what happened? There was one time, oh goodness, there, there was one time we came home and we had given some instructions on something that needed to be cleaned, and we came home, and it was worse than when we left. Brother Marty, there were beans on top of the ceiling. Uh, and I still don't know exactly what went down. Uh, I, I just I didn't want to know anymore. But it was not good. And I said, what happened? And they, it was just blame back and forth, back and forth. And uh, then, then the brothers got involved and then it was just really bad. Uh, and because, you know, usually if it's our girls, we can usually count on the boys to tell the truth. And if it's the boys, we can usually count on the girls to tell the truth. Um, if it's all of them, it's out the window. Who knows uh, exactly what happened? Uh, but they had a responsibility. Now, I will tell you, there are sometimes when we give something to be done, if it's all four of them, Chloe, who is the oldest, she will do most of the work. She'll throw the rest of them out, and she'll just get the job done. Is that true? Yeah. And now, uh, there's a reason for that, and usually that is because she wants it done a particular way, and they're not going to listen to her. That happens. And so you may as well just get out, and I'll do it all myself. Here's the problem with the gospel. And the gospel's not the problem, by the way. <laughs> I said that wrong. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Here's the problem with us carrying out the gospel. Is some of us are not carrying our weight. Did I tell you it was going to be personal this morning? It's going to be personal this morning, okay? Should have forewarned you and all of that. But some of us are not carrying our weight. We may look around and we may say, look, you know, Pastor, look, Bailey Road, is a, we're a small church. We can only do so much. Yes, but we can do what we're supposed to do. The size is not 
what matters. You say, well, there's, 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 there's a mega church across town and there's a mega church over there and they, they can do so much more. Yes, they might be able to do more because they have more people, but we still have a responsibility to do what God has called us to do because we are heirs of the gospel. And so the question is, are we like children who are shirking our responsibility because, again, sometimes I come in and I say, Hesher, I, I told you guys to do this. You didn't do it. And he said, well, well, justice wasn't helping. What does justice not helping have to do with you not doing anything? Hello? Is there an excuse? No. So here's what comes down to that. Okay, so, so Asher, and I'm using Asher and Justice here. They're right here up front. I may say, Asher, well, look, man, why should you both get in trouble? Does that make sense? No, but, but very rarely do things make sense when you're 15. But hold on a second. Most of us, most of us aren't 15 anymore. We should have a better understanding that as heirs, we have a responsibility, but yet because we say, well, nobody else is doing it, and we think that gets us out of our responsibility. Sometimes we think someone else already did it. Sometimes we shirk our responsibility because we think Somebody else already did it. But the fact of the matter is this, as heirs, we've been given a responsibility. Now it's interesting to me, as Paul talks about being heirs, when we come down to verse number 12, he says, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I, I am, for I am as ye are. You've not injured me at all. Verse 13, he says, Ye know how, through infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first. As heirs of the gospel, number two, we must have a remembrance. What Paul is doing here to this church at Galatia is he is reminding them about something. He's saying, do you remember when I came the first time and preached the gospel to you? He said, do you remember that? He said, I had an infirmity. That is, uh, he was not healthy. He had a feebleness about him. In verse number 14, he says, in my temptation, that is, his trial was in my flesh. And ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, that is, a messenger of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. So here's Paul preacher of the gospel. We know from passages in 
to his letter at Corinth that he had some vision problems. Most likely, those vision problems were left over from the road to Damascus. The scales were on his eyes after that encounter with Christ. Apparently, he never fully recovered his eyesight. And he says, after I preach the gospel to you, the Lord obviously knit their hearts together that some of them felt such compassion and such care for the Apostle Paul that they would have plucked their own eyes out if they could and given them to Paul. I mean, that's compassion. That's caring. But that's not what I want to focus on concerning this preaching of the gospel. In verse number 13, he said, You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. What I'm looking at here, and what we must remember as heirs of the gospel, is that missions is not about us. If, you were to, if we were to take a poll this morning and just allow everybody to answer whatever they wanted to without having, what do you think about this, what do you think about that? But if we asked the question, just went around the room and said, what is missions? What would you think? How would you respond? Many would respond, well, missions is when somebody goes to a foreign field and they... Give the gospel. Listen, I understand we, we, have, we have, as Christians, as heirs of the gospel, we have a worldwide call to the uttermost part of the earth. But what I want you to know is that your missions starts wherever you're at. It starts wherever you're at. If you're here, it starts here. When you walk outside the door, that's your mission field. When you go home and you're sitting in your living room or you're sitting on your porch and you see a neighbor across the street, that's your mission field. Your mission field is wherever you're at. And listen, missions is not about us. If it were about us, Paul would not have gone when he had that infirmity. Listen, listen, I'm getting older, I'm 43. I did not realize, I did not, Brother Norm, I did not realize how much different 43 would be from 33. I'm not really looking forward to 53, Brother Marty. If it's as bad from 33 to 43 as it is from 43 to 53, oh man. Listen, honestly. Let's, let's just take a poll here this morning. This includes kids, everybody. How many of you felt like 100% this morning when you woke up and came to church? One, two. That's two. Two. Two of you. How many of you are under 50%? Under 50, a couple of you. You stayed up late right around there. Okay, that's a failing grade. And yet you're here. Listen, it's not about us. Paul said, do you remember when I had this infirmity? 
but I still preach the gospel. That just spoke to me as I was studying and preparing and looking and saying, wait a second. Why? Why would Paul do that? Because he understood it wasn't about him. The gospel is not, or the preaching of the gospel is not about us. You say, okay, so the so missions, what's it about? Oh, I know. I know. Missions is about money because every missionary wants money. No. Missionaries need money to do what and enable them to do what they need to do. But listen, they could make more money probably doing other things. Missions is not about money, although it requires money. Missions is about the gospel. Missions is about the gospel. And it's about giving the gospel. Say, oh, oh, I know, I know. Missions is about the missionary. No. Missions is not about the missionary because whether you realize it or not, you are the missionary. So if missions is not about us, and missions is not about money, and missions is not about the missionary, well, what's it about, preacher? about others. It's about a people that need a Savior. Because without Christ as their Savior, they will die and go to a devil's hell. As I consider the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, as He saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion. I want you to notice something in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was going about. God in the flesh, He's there, and everywhere He went, He was healing people. He was changing their lives. He was making an impact. But it says in verse number 36 of Matthew chapter 9 that when He saw the multitude, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So here's Jesus. He's going about and he, he sees people and he heals them and he does it and he does it over and over again and everywhere that he goes. But then when he looks up and he sees the multitude of people that are following and that are coming and they're fainting and they're passing out by the way, he looks and he has compassion upon them. And he says, look, harvest is plenteous. He says, there's plenty of harvest. The laborers are few. Few. Then he says, Pray ye, therefore the Lord of the harvest, he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And you know something? I've heard about that often. 
I mean, what, what kind of missions conference could we have or would we have without this verse? To remind us that there's few laborers. The harvest is plenteous, but there's few. But here's what I want you to notice. is not just verse number 37 and verse number 38, as he says, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. But continue looking in verse number 1 of chapter 10. It says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manners of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles, and he lists the twelve uh, within this. In verse number five, the Bible says, These twelve Jesus sent forth. So here's what happened Jesus sees the multitudes, and he tells his disciples, Harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. So I would you pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. And then, very next thing, he sends them. He sends them. He says, Go. Verse number 7 says, And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver. No script in verse, in verse 10. Verse 11, And whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy. And there abide till ye go thence. When ye come into a house, salute it. If the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house of the city, shake off the dust of your feet. Listen, not everyone is going to hear and receive the gospel. But God has sent us. Listen, in, in verse number 38, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Can I just tell you, I told you it's going to get personal and be personal today. Can I just tell you, remind you that we might remember that this is not the problem any longer? You say, wait a second. Jesus said that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. This is like the missions conference theme. problem is not that the Lord of the harvest hasn't sent him. He has. The problem is those that he sent just simply aren't going. But, yes, he's already sent. He's already given the command. He's already told the church, go, go, go. Here we are. I'm not going unless Marty goes. I'm not going to go if Diane doesn't go. 
she doesn't have to go, I'm not going. I just tell you, if John doesn't go, I'm not going. We're not talking about John. We're not talking about Marty. We're not talking about Brent. We're not talking about Diane. We're not talking about Norm. We're talking about you. As we're talking about you, it also includes Marty and Diane and Norm and John. You see what I'm saying? It's a personal thing. The problem is not God hasn't sent, or He has. And yet, the harvest is still plenteous. So if God has sent, and the harvest is still plenteous, What's the problem? What's the problem? We're not going. We, me, you, us. We are not going as we should. That what we have to understand is missions. You say, well, I just don't feel good. Missions is not about feeling. Missions is about obeying. So while I'm scared, I get it. I, people don't believe me when I say this, but people scare me sometimes. I often say, I can talk to anybody. But Tom, I can talk to anybody, but I have to be in the right mood. And that mood often is crazy, honestly. But I have to get worked up into it. Sometimes I just get, I get shy, I get bashful. And I know sometimes that's hard for you to believe. But it is, I, I just, I get nervous. I'm not talking about beyond saying, hi, or how are you. I can do that all day long. To have a meaningful conversation with somebody, it takes work. It takes purpose. It's hard. I get it. I understand getting scared. But the command has to far outweigh me. And listen, what we have to get to is we have to get to a place of spiritual maturity. I'm not always there. You know, I, I remember as a child, man, my mom telling me something to do, me not doing it or something, and 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 listen, all she would have to say, and she knew she knew what would motivate me sometimes. Wait till your father gets home. Now sometimes I'm glad I had a forgetful mother. I forgot to tell dad. When she would say that, I knew what was going to happen. It didn't take long for my dad's fuse to go from nothing to full-blown. All she would have to say, she wouldn't have to tell him. All she would say is, you're not going to believe what Aaron did. He didn't even know why he was spanking me. He just was. It didn't matter. Wait till your father gets home. Listen. 
you know, if my mom, and my, my father's been passed for a long time, but if my mom said to me today, wait till your father gets home, I'm 43 years old. That, that if he was alive, it wouldn't matter too much. But there's a different level at 43 that my mom doesn't have to say that any longer. We have to get to that place spiritually where we're not living in a fear of, oh, what if Jesus comes back? Listen, we're heirs. You understand what that means? We're heirs. We're going to inherit something because of what Jesus did for us. I don't live in a fear of, what if Jesus comes back? We have to get to the place where we live our lives for the glory of God. That is why we must fight for the gospel. The country is changing. This world is changing. What happens if churches like ours cease giving the gospel? It's done. Let me tell you, it's hard to get back. It's hard. Take a, take a quick history lesson through, through Europe, through England. They used to send out missionaries. Now missionaries are going. Going. They're trying to revive a work of that's been past two or three generations. And in just two or three generations, there's a whole generation that doesn't even believe there's a God. Don't think that'll happen here? You don't think that can happen in America? It already is. Paul said, remember when I had that infirmity? But I preached the gospel. Missions isn't about us. It's about people who need the gospel. May we remember that. As we share the gospel. Every head bowed, every eye closed.